How's everyone doing? Good? It's Friday? Zach's doing good? Thank you, Zach. Um, I am super humbled, to say the least, to be um, with you this morning in this capacity, um, just with an awareness of all that have gone before and with an awareness of the wisdom that you all have that is in you and that is Christ in you. Um, so thank you um, for whoever made the decision <laughs> to let me up here. I appreciate it. And uh, just really am humbled by what I believe God wants to do uh, in and through us this morning. Can you pray with me as we get started? Father, you are good. And your power is in us. God, you long to use us and shape us and mold us to be people after your heart. God, may we not settle for what is easy, for what is on the surface, but allow us to dig deep, to allow you to dig deep into our hearts so that you can do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. I know you just sat down, but can you stand with me for a second? I'm gonna um, get you to do something maybe a little strange. Um, if you were to strike maybe a, a power pose, what would you do? And everyone must participate in this, okay? So no co nobody cops out on this. Okay, so strike a power pose, what would you do? And I'll help you along after if you don't think of anything. Huh? Nice, okay. Some of you are doing it. Okay, so. Great job, great job. Stay, stay standing, stay standing. There's a girl named, a social psychologist named Amy Cuddy, and she's done some research on um, this idea of power posing, and she claims that if you power pose, like something like this, so you guys do this one and hold it while I talk, while I explain this, or something like this, you guys can do this one. She claims that if you do this a few minutes before a stressful situation, like a job interview or something like this, you will be more successful, you will enter more confidently, and that you will do better than the person who is sitting in the waiting room like this, slouched over. Okay, so sit down, good job. Here's the thing with that. That is so um, typical of maybe what we naturally, instinctively think of when we think of the word power. And we've been talking about power these past couple weeks, and um, we're gonna continue to do that today. But isn't that just the way it is, right? Um, we, it's all about self, often. And, and not just when I say the world, I say, the world, but also instinctively in us, our sin nature just wants to be about ourselves. And so when we um, think of power, we often instinctively think, I got this, I can do this, I'm better, I can do everything I ever want to, I am strong, I am great, I am powerful. And this is what people try to train us, right, in the world often to be, to be okay with, um, to, to just be okay with self and to sustain self and to protect self. But the cool thing, and we've read this passage a couple times this morning, is that this is what Paul begins the passage with, on his knees, face up to the Father. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father. And I was so excited when, we, um, when I heard we were talking about kingdom, 
because I love the kingdom so much. And I just love that what we think sometimes as ironies or contradictions, maybe instinctively that's how we think of it. This is the kingdom and this is the reality of the kingdom, that Christ came as a baby, the King of kings and Lord of lords came as a child. That's kingdom power. That to, to lead is to serve. That's kingdom power. And that power is not about self, but power is about humbly knowing Christ. And as we know Christ, we walk in kingdom power. So let's read this passage again from Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. <laughs> So we're gonna dive in right away. Um, and the first thing I wanna talk about this morning is that power first comes with an acknowledgement that the power is God's. And you're probably like, duh, Kendra. Um, obviously the power is God's, but we often live in our own power, do we not? And, and the truth of knowing this cognitively and really operating in this truth is, are two different things. So this passage begins, like I said, with Paul on his knees. And then he says this in verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The concept really doesn't get any simpler than this, right? It's a deeply crucial thing that we live in this truth. Before we even get to this passage, Paul in chapter, chapters one and two, and then the beginning of chapter three, is recounting the amazing mystery that comes in the kingdom. The amazing mystery that truth and salvation is now available for not just Jews, but Gentiles. The mystery that he is now revealing this wisdom to the world through us, through the church. And naturally, as he has this knowledge and understanding and he's just reflecting on this, naturally he falls to his knees. How humbling that he calls us into his kingdom. Moses is one of my favorite people in the Bible. Anyone remember Moses? <laughs> um, he, I think, is one of my favorite people because I relate to him, um, not in all the grand things that he's done, but because of his questions and his struggles and his feelings of inadequacy. And he's the guy that just constantly made excuses, did he not? And he would say, you know, like, Lord, send someone else. I don't know how to talk. And you, like, well, what am I going to say if they ask who you are? Um, but God always has to bring him to this place of acknowledging 
for, for Moses to acknowledge that the power is God's. The power is God's. It's his initiative, right? It's always him. It's always him first. It's his initiative. He's the one that is inviting us into what is his. We see this from the beginning of creation. He invites us into relationship. He invites us to be in what he is, who he is, the communion of the Trinity, the kingdom. He invites us in. What if people like Moses were to have turned away? I know we're not supposed to ask what if, but what if? Right? What if Moses decided to turn around and say, this is really too much, I can't do this? What if? What if Paul, people like Paul who, who transformed the church, really allowed God to do amazing things through him, what if he was to say, you know what, I've done too much, I cannot be forgiven, I'm, I'm out of here. What if? What if amazing historical people like Martin Luther King Jr. were to have said, you know what, this is too much for me, I can't do this, I'm out of here. What if some of your professors were to have said, you know what, this is too hard, I can do better things with my time? What if? I don't think any of them would do that. But what if? What if you were to have said, Kingswood is too far from home? This call that you have on my life is just too much. What if? It's worth it to acknowledge that the power is God's. You do not rest in your own control. You do not rest in your own strength. But by acknowledging that the power is God's, he equips you to live a life of kingdom power. So how are we going to live this out? I think, um, I don't know if you're like me at all, but I love, like, I love talking about concepts like um, like power and community and the kingdom, but, excuse me, but it's really, um, it really comes down to, okay, Kendra, like, you know about it, but what are you going to do about it? How are you really going to live the truth? Um, and you, um, you guys are smart, you guys are wise, um, you have ideas of already how to apply the truth of really acknowledging that the power is God's, but let me just give you a few things to get your, get the ball rolling to be starting to think about some of this. Um, Lent, we are in the beginning of a Lent, Lenten season. And who was at the Lent service on Wednesday, anyone? Yeah, um, what a beautiful thing that was. I think that Lent, the season of Lent, is such an amazing way to acknowledge that the power is God's. It's beginning to, to just slow down a bit, to take a step back and to say, you know what, I don't, I'm not, it's not all about me. I don't need to rest in my own control but I need to acknowledge that the power is God's. Community, another way we can do this. Um, when we acknowledge what God is doing in our lives, that is acknowledging the power of God. So by turning to the next person and saying, you know what, this is what God's doing in my life. You know, even, it doesn't have to be this grand thing, but just an acknowledgement that, you know what, in this moment, I wanted to be selfish, but instead I chose to serve my roommate. That is the power of God at work in you. He equips you to live this life. So let's share that with each other. And don't, be, um, don't wait for someone else to, to talk about this. Be the initiator of those conversations. Ask one another, hey, how is God at work in you? That is acknowledging the power is God's. We are to bear witnesses to the power of God. Confession, again, in, in the context of a loving community, confession, what better way 
to acknowledge that it's not all about you than to say, you know what, this is how I have faltered, but God, you are greater, your power is with me. Slowing down, I don't think we like this one. Um, slowing down is such an amazing way to allow God to enter into those spaces, the margin in your life. God wants to enter in. He wants to be present in those moments. So slow down, let God into those spaces so that you can acknowledge the power is his. And then along those lines, Sabbath, Sabbath. <laughs> Anyone like Sabbath days? Yeah. Um, the power is God's. In God's power, um, it's so easy, sorry, it's so easy in um, a lack of Sabbath. Often in our lack of Sabbath, we're saying, um, I want to operate in my own strength. The power is mine and I can do this. It's a, it's a lack of trust in the power of God. I think the lie that we can often fall into, and I don't know um, if this is just me, or, but sometimes we think, you know what, if I take a Sabbath, I'm not going to be done everything that I need to get done. Um, yes, be diligent, plan for your Sabbath, be excellent in all that you do, but rest in the power of God by taking a Sabbath. It's really simple, but so huge and so profound. So first, to believe and really walk in the power of God, we need to trust that the power is whose? God's, right, amen. And secondly, walking in the power of God involves letting God work below the surface. Work below the surface. Uh, verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your, is it up there? No? Okay. In your inner being, it says. Strengthen you by his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. For, through faith. This is, it's really the whole inner being, the heart, the soul. Um, it's a novel, it's a book, it's a sermon series in itself. To be emotionally aware, to be aware of what is going on below the surface, not just what's going on above, not just our behavior management or even um, how people perceive us. We can often just go about our lives managing that. But what is going on below the surface? And then what does it say in verse 17? It says, um, what does it say about why we need to be strengthened in our inner being? It says, so that, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. So we allow him to work below the surface of our lives so that Christ may fully dwell there. We're creating the space below the surface. We're creating the space in our hearts to allow Christ to dwell. Is your heart is your soul are the deepest parts of you, a place where Christ is pleased to dwell. Pleased to dwell. One of my favorite prayers is an ancient Franciscan prayer. And um, nobody really knows who wrote this, except for it's someone in the ancient Franciscan tradition. And it says this. It's actually hanging in my office, part of it. And deeply convicting and deeply beautiful. It says, may God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, hard hearts, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that you may live from deep within your heart where God's spirit dwells. May God bless you with discomfort at these things so that we can live where God's spirit dwells. Allow him to dwell, create that space. 
A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God, also kind of talks about this reality, and he says, with the veil removed by the rending of Jesus' flesh, with nothing on God's side to prevent us from entering, why do we tarry without? Why do we consent to abide all our days just outside the Holy of Holies and never enter at all to look upon God? Ouch. (laughs) Why do we settle? Why do we remain above the surface? And Tozer goes on to talk about the self, the self-life and the pride. If we, we allow someone, others to go down there, if we look ourselves under the surface, if we let God to look under, there's a lot of stuff that we don't wanna see or we, want, we don't want him to see. He already sees it, of course. But will we let him work down there? And yeah, the pride, the envy, maybe there's past hurts and unforgiveness below the surface that you've been just ignoring. Is it time to allow God to work deep into those places so that you can live most fully in the beauty of the kingdom entering in to those places? He longs to be present in our everything and deep in our hearts and our souls. To walk in kingdom power, we need to let him into those spaces. We need to let him work under the surface. Everyone take a deep breath. I think it's a good time for that. Okay, so um, has anyone ever gone snorkeling before? A few people, awesome. I had like a pretty sweet opportunity to go snorkeling a few years ago when I was a student at Kingswood. Um, We traveled on a ministry team called Testify. Anyone remember Testify? Affectionately known as Testify. Um, we, um, yeah, we got to travel to different places, um, different churches, local churches, but we had one day where we got to go to the beach, and um, we had this guy on a boat take us out snorkeling, and it was my first time ever experiencing something like that. I think the first time I was ever in some kind of tropical water, and um, when we were snorkeling, obviously a beautiful, beautiful sight, these bright, vibrant colors, these beautiful fish, these uh, cute little, small little fish, and just everything under the water was just beautiful. But as we kind of went along and we're snorkeling, it's not about a shark, I'll just tell you that now, um, just to get that out of the way so the point can be a little bit stronger. Um, so um, we were going along, you know, swimming, snorkeling, breathing through these little tubes, and there'd be these dark, like, chasms all of a sudden where it was like murky and really scary and um, you couldn't see. It was really weird. So it was like beautiful and then you'd go along and see these like scary parts. And um, one of my friends, I remember like screaming underneath the water because she was so scared and I may have done that too. But anyway, um, it was really scary. Like it was the unknown territory. Like what if a shark was there, right? What if like a stingray or something super freaky was under there? So um, I... Yeah, the beauty, it just happened, and then all of a sudden, scary. And I think, I'm speculating here, but I think that if we were to have, you know, come up above the surface, asked our tour guide a little bit about those areas, he might have been able to, like, fill us in a bit, like, this is what lives there, it's not really that scary, or it is, whatever. Um, But if we didn't go under the surface of the water, and you know where I'm going with this, if we didn't go under there, we would have missed out on such beauty. We would have totally missed out on this memory that's now in our minds forever. 
we have this beautiful picture of these tropical places that I wouldn't have had had I not gone below the surface. And it does take courage, right? There's people that didn't want to go because they were scared about breathing through the tube. Would that be any of you? Would that like really freak anyone out? No, oh, you guys are all brave, Peter, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say you guys are all so brave. Um, anyway, yeah, so obviously we, didn't, we don't wanna miss out. We don't want to miss out on those beautiful places. And that's what happens when we choose to live above the surface, when we just let things be status quo and not enter into the depths of what's really going on in our heart, in our mind, and in our soul. I don't want you to miss out, and I don't wanna miss out. And God is asking me to step into those areas a little bit more, to be aware of what's really going on, to step into the Holy of Holies, because he is there, and he is pleased to dwell in those spaces. Will you go below the surface? Will you allow him to work there? Uh, This is, Practically, again, what does this look like? I think uh, a few things. Learn to articulate what's going on below the surface, and I think that that's really closely tied with our emotions. Um, Emotions are actually not a bad thing. Um, We can abuse our emotions and trust and rest in our emotions um, and solely kind of let them rule, but that's not, and that's not what I'm talking about here. But I'm, I'm talking about just being aware and being able to articulate what is really going on. So some of that is anger or unforgiveness or hurt. If you've been hurt and you haven't really looked at that, you are um, not allowing the kingdom fully to set you free in those moments. And this isn't something to just go it all alone. We need community. We need each other to really wrestle with this stuff below the surface. And, um, And this is hard stuff. It's not easy to do this but it takes courage to really say, you know what, this is how I'm feeling, this is, but where does that come from? What is the stuff that uh, leads to that? What are the motives? So it's looking beyond just the the behavior and looking at what motivates that, and and is God dwelling there? Is Christ dwelling in those spaces? Um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, has anyone ever read that book? If you've ever talked to me, I. I love that book, Um, so I would really recommend you journey through that. It's not just like, I'm gonna read this book. It's a journey, um, but it's, it's, again, it's allowing um, Christ to dwell in the deepest parts of you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Again, Sabbath and slowing down. I don't know if this is just me again, but um, when I'm slow, and sometimes even just before bed or early in the morning, those are the times when I'm most aware of what's going on below the surface of my life. That's when I'm most aware of all of that stuff that I sometimes, throughout the busyness of my day, can ignore, can, can brush aside. God wants to dwell there. Um, vulnerability, I am not good at this at all. But it's a huge, huge, important thing for us in the body of Christ. To allow God to enter in involves being vulnerable with the people that we trust and vulnerable with him and vulnerable with yourself. Just telling, just acknowledging the truth of what's in your heart. And then again along those lines is just honesty. Can we be honest with one another? Can we really trust each other to share? Maybe in your band groups this is another, a way to go a little deeper. 
Can we really trust? Can we really be vulnerable in these places? And, and obviously be wise about that. Um, but God wants to work below the surface. And it's his power, remember. As I talk about this, don't forget about the first point. It's his power. We don't do this in our own strength, but we really allow him to work. Amen? And third, uh, a concept that is, again, pretty clear as we live a Christian life, but is so crucial, is that we must know the love of Christ. We must know the love of Christ. Verses 17b to 19 say this, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have what? Power, together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And again, look at verse 19, I just love this. Again, another kingdom thing. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Asking us to know what is unknowable. This is God's power at work in us. So we need to know the love of Christ. How can we be people walking in kingdom power if we don't trust the love of God? And I think just even, even the stuff of working below the surface, the more that we trust that God's love is for us, that he is good, that he has plans that are perfect for you, the more that we trust that and know his love, the easier or at least the more um, able we will be to look below the surface and to look at that stuff and to deal with some of that stuff. So the word for know here literally means to make one's own, to attain, to take it to oneself. So it's not this distant concept of love, this distant um, idea of just cognitively knowing his love, but it's a receiving, it's a grabbing hold of his love. If I was to throw you a football, what would you do with it? You can answer. Catch it. You wouldn't let it fall. And if, you were, if I was to throw it to you in a game, you would catch it and then what? And run with it, right? So... The same applies for his love. We can know this love and he's throwing it to us. He's longing to give his love to us. He's longing to pour it out. Will we just let it drop? Or will we really grasp it? Will we take hold of his love and run with it with all that we have? We need to know the love of God. Are you grasping this love? Or do we just see it from a distance? and know it from a distance, know it in our heads. And this is, I've gone through seasons of this, and I think that it continually happens where it's almost like we're, we're onions, right? Like, or who says this, donkey? Um, we're like, we have layers of this. So we can, um, we can start to like grasp this love and then kind of settle there for a while. But God is asking us, press on, grasp it even more. And so for me, this has been a journey of grasping and grasping and just learning more and learning more, letting him shed layers of self. And it's hard and it's, Hard and it's awesome, right? Because we can grasp this love of God. I remember one time standing at the shore of, in St. Martin's. Um, anyone been there, like along the, the Bay of Fundy? It's a beautiful spot. 
And, and this is kind of what Paul's talking about, right? But I just imagine myself standing in the ocean, and which is scary, um, but it's all around you, right? The water is behind you, it's in front of you, it's below you, it's above you if you're under the water. Um, so he, he longs for us to grasp this love and to be in it, to just remain in this love and let it surround us. But there is, there are ways that we can allow his love to really grab hold of us and to grab hold of his love. One of the cool things about marriage is that um, there's so many parallels between Christ's love and relationship with the church and, um, and between man and wife, right? Um, so this was actually something that, um, obviously love is a part of marriage, but um, the idea of God being for us is a ga- has been a game changer for Steve and I in our marriage because he constantly has to remind me that he's on my side. I'm like, um, I have this tendency to defend or to feel like, what, there's no way, like, I need to figure this out myself, I need to blah, 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 blah. Um, But he's graciously, probably seven times a day, saying, Kendra, I'm on your side. We're on the same team, I'm on your side. And I say it to him occasionally, but (laughs) he probably has to remind me more. Um, And we actually wrote this into our vows because it's a game changer in relationship when you realize, you know what, we are on the same team. Because no matter what he says or does, if I really believe that, I trust that, and I don't question it based on his, I don't question his motives, I don't question that he's, he's just doing it for something else or any of that, but I just trust and I enter into this fuller picture of what a, love, a loving relationship looks like. Can you just turn to someone and say, God is on your side? He's for you. He is for you. So much of how we experience this love is renewing the mind, right? And it's really almost a building up of a muscle of receiving this love. Um, we, can really, we can really, even if we've been in Christ for a while, even if we've followed him for a while, we can sometimes fall into believing lies about ourselves. And oh, how he longs to just love us through those things and longs for us to receive the truth of his love in us. Um, I don't know what what things that that you're believing this morning, but he longs to correct those things. Um, And yeah, again, it's like a muscle. So basically, if you were to apply a truth, if we learn, you know, who I am in Christ, I have this long list up here of, of these things that just say, I am in Christ, I am a child of God, I am adopted into the kingdom, and all of these amazing truths about who God says that you are, these are the things that we can begin to claim and operate in and apply so that we can truly trust in this deep love of Christ. Do you know his love this morning? John 8, 31, this is what Jesus said. In this beginning part of this passage, I had never noticed before. It says this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So it's not just hearing the truth but it's living in the truth. It's holding to these teachings of Christ. And a huge portion of those teachings 
are telling you, reminding you what it really looks like for you to be a person of the kingdom, to remind you who you are in Christ. If we claim these and really walk in them as if they were true, we will experience them as being true. Does that make sense? So that's how we begin to apply these truths. If I, for example, um, I am a, I'm the light of the world, God says. If I enter into a situation and I say, if I were the light of the world, how would I respond to this differently? If I were the light of the world, how would I ask my roommate this when they did this? Or for example, you know what I mean? Um, So beginning to apply these truths is again, it's like exercise, it's like building up a muscle, it's by renewing your mind, it's just a daily, um, it's a discipline of figuring this stuff out. Again, go back to point one, the power is God's. He enables you to do this stuff. We can't do this stuff even apart from his power. But will you receive his love by applying the truth of his love for you? Amen? He longs for us to rest in his love. So all of this, being strengthened by acknowledging the power is whose? God's. Secondly, we need to allow God to work below the surface in our inner being. And third, we need to know the love of Christ. And lastly, this is not a full point, don't worry. Verse 19 says this, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And you probably recognize this, but it's really hard. It takes some very um, real intentionality to have something that is filled to the fullness and not spill it, right? If it's filled to the brim, it will overflow. It will spill out onto the relationships, the people, the world around us. And in fact, you probably remember that the Ephesians, the the church in Ephesus, was so radically changed by the love of Christ that they began to, it began to affect the economy, right? The idol makers were starting to, had to make less idols and they were losing jobs and that kind of thing. Um, What would happen if we were so permeated and walking so fully in the power of God at work within us that we began to shift the culture around us and I think that's happening and I think that it will continue to happen as we abide in this love of Christ, as we let him work below the surface, as we walk in his power, acknowledging his power and as we know the love of Christ. And this isn't, again, a trusting of self. It's not a trusting and managing how we perform and what others think of us, but it's an authentic work of Christ within us. Will we allow him to work? Will we allow him to work? Would you stand with me for a moment here? So just in case we are starting to feel, again, like we have a lot of work to do, let me remind you, verse 20 and 21 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Here's what we're gonna do um, just to close us this morning. 
I'd like us to get for into groups of um, two or three, not too many um, in the group, if, if possible. Um, this can be your bands, but it doesn't have to be. People who don't have a band, um, staff and faculty and visitors, um, just find some people that you want to connect with in this time. And basically, I want you to do this, um, either one, acknowledge how the power of God is at work within you, and, or secondly, acknowledge how you desire to take a next step toward that. What does that look like? And so don't, don't share like many sermons with each other, but just, just nail that one thing that is on your heart and just share that and speak that to each other, okay? Can we do that? And then we're gonna sing a song to close together. Cool? And go.